How many would rather be here than the best hospital in town? Glory to God. We're going to jump right into this and see what the Lord has for us. Will you pray with me? Father, thank you for this, your beloved, my dear ones that are here. I could not appreciate even, even one iota more so how you have blessed me, God, to stand before such an awesome group of people. Would you now give us clarity of thought, continuity of thinking, accuracy of the text, Help everyone under the sound of my voice to embrace the powerful revelation and the truth that is given to us through the text. And as always, Father, you know that I will do nothing but give you praise, give you glory, give you honor. I extol you. I exalt you. There's none before you. I give you praise and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Open your Bibles with me, dear hearts, to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. 13. We're continuing our series that our pastor has so wonderfully led us in. Uh, we are in part four of the series, Living Into the Kingdom. Living Into the Kingdom. And uh, if you will, take your bulletin that you received when you came in. There's a spot there that you need to fill in a couple of words. Just fill these words in, if you will, please, where it says, there is only... Here's your first fill-in. One. There is only one way into the, here's the last word, kingdom. There is only one way into the kingdom. Pastor has laid out for us and illustrated to us that when we speak of the kingdom, the kingdom of God, we're speaking of God's rule, God's domain. God's government, how God does what he does. He's chosen to do it this way so that you and I might be partakers in his creation, partakers in all that he is doing within the earth. He has given us the kingdom. The kingdom of God has come. God's way has come. And therefore, we must understand contrary to how it is presented in culture presented in, uh, even in some circles of faith uh, that would say through some uh, pl plurality of ways that there are many ways to come to God, many ways to experience and go to God. And, and Jesus was pretty clear. I am the way. I am the truth. Yeah. He, he was pretty clear. The only way to come to the Father is through Jesus. And so the only way to enter into the kingdom, God's realm, God's teachings, God's uh, government is through the Lord Jesus Christ and embracing and accepting all that he has for us. That brings us now then to the text of Matthew 13. Follow along with me while I read you follow. We'll look at the first three verses and then we'll skip down to verse 10. The same day or that same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea, and great crowds gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat down, and the whole crowd stood on the beach, and he, stole, and he told them many things in parables. He told them many things in parables, saying, a sower went out to sow. So then the disciples came and said to him, why do you speak to them in parables? And notice in verse 11, and Jesus answered them, to you 
it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. This is a pivotal passage that we're reading. This passage now denotes a shift that takes place in the approach of Jesus' ministry among the people. For you see, Jesus initially comes to the children of Israel to proclaim the gospel, the good news. But in proclaiming the good news, it was his intent that they would receive it, and in receiving it, that they would also go and proclaim it around the world, and that many would come to experience fellowship with God by direct relationship through the work and ministry of Jesus Christ. But you know, as it were, they rejected Jesus. They rejected his ministry. Despite all of the signs and the wonders and the miracles and all of the things that he did, his care for the broken and the poor, they yet rejected his ministry. And it's in this passage that Jesus is now going to turn and begin to minister, not primarily to the house of Israel, but now he's going to begin to turn his attention even into the Gentiles and ministering to them. In fact, most commentators that we read suggests that when you look at the text and it says Jesus went from the house or left the house, he was actually stepping out of a synagogue, that it wasn't per se a residential quarters, but rather it was a synagogue. And Jesus now at this point will move and leave the synagogue or turn from the house and go and sit by the sea. Whenever you see the term sea in scripture, it is not just denoting the physical locale, but it is also many times denoting what God is doing in his heart towards others. And in this case, he turns towards the sea and is a representation of now his turning his attention and his ministry and his heart towards the Gentiles. I'm so glad that when I look and read this passage, that when Jesus is standing there or sitting there by the sea, he looks out over the waters and he looks out as to note the people that he has been called to minister to, not just to the house of Israel, but those who would believe and receive. When he looked out over the sea, dear hearts, he saw you and he saw me. We were there. And he turns his attention there. And notice here, great crowds have gathered around him. And he begins from this point on to teach in the modality of parables. It's where uh, we get the word parables from the Greek word parabole. Parabole. It means to throw something beside or to cast something alongside. It, it is used in a reference in this uh, context in which there is a principle or a doctrine in which Jesus is presenting to the people. Don't be afraid of the word doctrine. It is a good word when used in accordance to scripture. Here he is presenting doctrine or he's presenting kingdom principles guidelines of the kingdom. But as it were, it would be difficult for the people to understand the complexity of how unique God's kingdom is, his thinking, his way. It would become very difficult. Why? Because humankind had taken the things of God up until this time 
and they began to wrap it around their own ideology and philosophy. Remember, the children of Israel, instead of taking the simplicity of the gospel and proclaiming the gospel, what did they do? They made it into human tradition, rules and regulations, hoops that people would have to jump through. And as a result of that, they began to proselytize instead of draw people into fellowship with God. They made it hard. They made it difficult. So Jesus says, now in order for my people to understand what it is that has been provided to them and the access that they have been given into the kingdom, I will now teach in parables or parabole. I will tell stories or narratives that is common to them, but as they hear it, the Holy Spirit will give them insight on how to connect that to deep, secret kingdom truths. Remember, from this point on, there would be a mixed audience that Jesus would speak to. Oh, make no mistake, although he turns his attention to the Gentiles and so forth, there are still uh, those who will follow him who are the children of Israel. And then there's a third group who are the religious people. They're always going to hang around to criticize and see how they can entrap Jesus. So Jesus says, I will speak in parables, and the only ones who will understand what is being said will be those who are believers. The religious folks will be there scratching their heads, trying to figure it out, trying to analyze it, trying to tear it apart and break it apart, trying to see how they can entrap Jesus. But Jesus said, those who are of the kingdom, those who are my disciples, they will understand what it is that I am saying, what it is that I'm speaking. You see, dear ones, he has made it easy for us as believers to enter into the kingdom of God and to receive the principles of God's kingdom. Isaiah 35 and 8, the prophet Isaiah says that there is a way, a highway, a way of holiness. And he says, it is so simple. It is so easy. Even a fool can find it. My goodness, that doesn't leave any of us out right there. Come on, y'all. He says, it has been made so easy, the way of holiness, the highway of holiness has been made so simple that even a fool, even in the simplicity of mind, is able to have access and enter in. So it is at this point that Jesus speaks through parables or parables. Let's look at the first parable that is mentioned in Scripture. It is in Mark 4. I'm going to read it for you beginning at verse 1, and we'll read down to verse 20 very briefly. Follow along with me, if you will. Here is the parable of the sower, the parable of the sower. It is the first parable that Jesus will give. It says, again, he began to teach beside the sea. This is reiterating what we just read in Matthew 13. And again, he began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many, many things, not just a few things, but many things in parables. And in Jesus' teaching, he said to them, listen, verse 3, behold, here's where he's going to tell the parable, behold, a sower went out to sow, and he sowed. Some seed fell along the path, 
and the birds, take note of that, came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Verse 7, other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And yet other seed fell into the ground, soil, and rather into good soil, and it produced, take note, it produced grain, growing up and increasing. Underline those two words, produced, growing up, and increasing. This ground fell into good soil. It produced, it grew up, and it continued to increase, and then yielding, yielding 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. And Jesus said, he or she who has ears to hear, let them hear. He or she that has ears to hear, the deeper meaning behind the simple parable, let them hear. And you're going to find out in a moment, dear hearts, that what he is sharing in this story is critical to every aspect of your growth and your development as a believer. So note here, we have God who presents to us the word of God. Let me be more specific. We have God who gives the seed. Then we have Satan who steal the seed. And note here, there's a third factor here. We determine the outcome. Let me be more specific. In this particular passage, it has been said that Jesus is the sower. If we're to identify the various elements that are in the story, there have been those who have taught, including myself in the past, that Jesus is the sower. Now, ultimately, he is. But in the context of the parable or the story, it is not merely Jesus who is the sower, but it is anyone who is sowing the seed or sowing what the seed is identified as later as being the word. So the sower ultimately is Jesus, but the sower can be the preacher that is preaching. The sower can be the, the men and women who are working with our children and ministering the word to them right now. What are they doing? They're sowing the word into them. Those that are ministering to our youth, they are sowing the word into them. Our missional communities that meet, the word is being sown in our missional communities, our small groups. The, the, the word of God is being sown in various groups that meet throughout this campus. Uh, our soul care ministry, when people are going to be seen for counseling and care and support. The word of God through also alongside professional support. The word of God is being sown into households and sown into family. It doesn't stop there. Uh, you also, brothers and sisters, you are sowers of God's word. Uh, God is using you 
when you came into this worship center. Uh, he wants you to take the word that is in you, the word of encouragement, the word of hope, the word of light, the word of healing, the word of deliverance. And when you walk in here, you are sowing the word into your brothers and sisters that are sitting around you. When we walk through the foyer or walk through the parking lot, we, we walk in with our bag full of seed full of the word, so that when we see someone that is discouraged, we go to them and we wrap our arms around them. We don't even have to know them. All we have to do is have seed. And we put the seed of encouragement and let them know, despite whatever you have faced this week, everything is going to be all right. You are in safe ground in this place. The spirit of the Lord is here. The spirit of liberty is here to set people free and to lift those that are brokenhearted and have been held captive. We, we are here to pour seed into you, to encourage you so that you will not leave here the same way you walked in the door. Would you lean on somebody and tell them, I have a bag full of seed and it's for you. Go ahead and tell them that. I have a bag full of seed and it's for you. It's for you. So that the smile will come back to your face. So that your countenance will be uplifted. So that regardless of what has happened all week long, you will know that you know that you know that when you leave out of here, there is hope that is before you. That God has light at the end of the tunnel. And it's not a train. You are coming through victorious. Come on and give God praise for that. Hallelujah. Oh, bless the Lord. See, y'all wait till the last service to make me preach. Great Lord. So you have the sower. That's you. Then you have the seed. That's the word of God. You have the sower and the seed. But notice what else we have in the story. We have the soil. And there are four types of soil that are mentioned here. Four types of soil that are presented to us. All of these soils represent, please take note, believers. All of the soils that are mentioned in the text are a direct reference to believers, not unbelievers. It is a direct reference to believers. Some have taken this text mistakenly and used it for an evangelistic text. It is not an evangelistic text. It is a text that is dealing directly with the people of God. And it states here that all of these soils are again presented. You have the soil that is the hard ground. You have the soil that is the rocky ground. You have the soil that is the thorny ground. And you have the good soil. And each one of these believing soils represent the condition of the heart. It represents how the heart of the believer is. And notice, all the soils are given access to the seed. All of the soil hear the word. All of the soils are in the church. Let me break it down further. All four soils are in this room right now. All four soils are sitting here at Bridgeway right now. We are the sowers. The seed is the word. And again, the word is given to us for the purpose of 
discipleship. Now let's go further then. Let's walk through this again one more time. So then God is the one who gives the seed. Satan comes to steal the seed. But again, thirdly, we determine the outcome. You determine what's going to happen. Stop blaming the devil. You determine. Stop blaming God. You determine what you're going to do with what God is presenting to you. We determine it. And so that brings us now to verse 10, where Jesus is going to unfold and share something. Don't miss this in verse 10. And when Jesus was alone, those around him with the 12 asked him about the parables, verse 11. And he said to them, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But to those who are outside, everything is in parables. In other words, he said, believers will get this, but unbelievers won't know what to do with this because they're trying to make it difficult. They're trying to analyze. They're trying to piece it apart, verse 12, so that they may indeed see, but they do not perceive. They may indeed hear, but they do not understand, lest they turn and be forgiven. Verse 13, and Jesus said to them, do you not understand this parable? Do you not understand the parable of the sower? Now watch what Jesus says. Watch what he says. How then will you understand all of the parables? Here's what he says. If you don't get this one down, you won't be able to get any of the other parables down. He says, this is just the first one out the gate. But if you don't grasp this, it's going to be hard for you to grasp anything else that's going to be shared with you. So I I need you to pay careful attention to what's about to be said to you. This is critical. The parable of the sower is critical in determining how you approach the kingdom of God, how you approach God's working and dealings in your life. If you don't get this down, we got a problem. Houston, there's a problem. This will be a challenge if you don't get this down. This is pivotal for your personal fellowship with God. This parable is critical for your relationship with your spouse. Single women and men, this is critical for determining how you live your life with wisdom. This is critical. This passage is critical for determining our work ethics, how we raise our children, how we treat one another, how we interface with the community. If we don't get this down, we are in trouble. So please take a moment and stop texting and lean over and tell somebody say, I'm getting this one down. Go ahead and tell them, I'm getting this down. I'm getting it down. I'm going to get this down. I'm going to stop texting, I'm going to stop doing Instagram in church, and I'm going to sit here and lock in into what this is saying right here, because I don't want to miss this. I don't want to miss this. I don't want to miss this. This, if this is that important, it is worth all of my attention and my focus, because that means there's more that God has for me that he wants to reveal to me. So let's keep reading. Watch what happens. He says in verse 14, the sower, now he's going to unfold it for us. The sower sows the word. 
And he's going to mention the first ground here, the first heart of the believer. And these are the ones along the path or the hard ground where the word is sown. When they hear, when they hear, when they hear, all four soul or soils rather hear, all four hearts hear the word. He says this first soil, when they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. Stop right there. He says here, these are the ones who are the hard soil that the seed is not able to penetrate. What, what's happening here? Uh, two things. One, the main thing that is happening here, he says, is that we're allowing distractions to come and keep us from receiving the implanting of God's word. You can hear the word and still not receive the word. It is possible to sit under a teaching and still walk away and not be taught. So he says here, these are the hard ground. They hear the word, but before the word can get into the heart to bring about transformation and to bring about change, the birds come and immediately they eat or steal the seed that was sown. Here's what he's saying, beloved. The birds are symbolic of spiritual principalities, demonic forces, forces of darkness that are operating even as I'm speaking now. In the unseen world, there's a spiritual warfare that is going on concerning you. There is a battle that is going on concerning you. Demons are at work attempting to throw anything to distract you and to throw you off and to keep you from receiving the word of God. Because the demons, although they're not all knowing, although Satan is not all knowing, he does understand that if ever you receive the implanted word of God into your life, then there's going to be changes that are going to begin to take place. You're going to begin to walk in your identity as a woman and a man of God. You're going to begin to step into the fullness of what God has called you to be. You will stop being a victim and you'll begin to walk as a victor. You'll stop walking around with your head hung down and looking depressed and you'll begin to walk in the things of God. So he is attempting to distract you. That's why we have to be so careful. I'm very careful about coming into the house of God and worshiping with his people. I'm very careful not to allow distractions to throw me off. I'm, I'm careful because there's always the temptation to be distracted, to, to look up at the light and try to determine what wattage a bulb is that. There's, there's always a distraction, a text that wants to come through or somebody that's trying to call me. That's why I have to put my phone on silence and, and, and not allow my worship time to be compromised. Uh, when we come here, we don't come in this room to, 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 to uh, talk about uh, Macy's and Nordstrom's and the sale that's going on and, and, and what Rayleigh's, you know, you know, they got chickens five for five dollars and we don't come to talk about all of that. Uh, when we come here, we come to do key 
kingdom business. We, we come to do work in the kingdom. So I can't get distracted. And you have to tell people who are sitting around you when they come in, if, they, if worship is going on or teaching is going on and they want to talk about nothing, you, you have to tell them, shh, I, I can't get distracted right now. I, I need to focus in on what God wants to minister to me. I can't allow myself to worry about all of the stuff that's going on outside right now. I need to lock in because the word or the seed is being put out and I don't want the demons to come and eat it and devour it. That's why we thank God for a church where intercessory, intercessory prayer is vital and key to what we do. I will not stand, nor Pastor Lance, nor Pastor Brian, or Pastor Matt. We will not stand on this stage until the intercessors pray for us and cover us. We won't stand here and just walk out here just because we have a lesson and start teaching it. We, we understand we've got to get people around us and praying for us and talking to us so that we can make confession and share with them what's on our heart. And they lay hands on us and pray and encourage us before we even come on this stage. Because I need someone to do like they did a few months ago when I was preaching. They say, uh, Pastor Parnell, when you're on the stage, I wanted you to know that while you you were standing there. I saw in the spirit as there were a tall angel of the Lord and he was standing behind you. And every time you look this way, he turned this way. And every time you look this way, he turned this way. That's what you want, folks. That's what you want. You want to know, not just me, but you want to know that every time you walk out these doors, you are not by yourself, but you got the whole army of the Lord that is with you. There be more with us than be with them. Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. You are not by yourself. Put on the whole armor of God. Come on. Take the shield of faith. Take the sword of the spirit. Put on the helmet of salvation. Some of you got your helmet on crooked. You got your, got your shield flipped around the other way. Don't know where your sword is. But glory to God, we cast away every distraction of the enemy right now. Say amen, somebody. Glory to God. Look at verse 16. And these are the ones who are sown on rocky ground. The ones who, when they hear the word, they immediately, watch this, they immediately, immediately receive it with joy. Ooh, they get happy. Ooh, hallelujah. Ooh, this word was for me. Pastor Parnell, there were hundreds and hundreds of people in that auditorium. But when you were teaching that word, it was talking directly to me. It hit the bullseye. But notice in verse 17, and they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises, why? On account of the word, immediately they fall away. They start out happy. They get in the car rejoicing. They turn around and go home and tell everybody, whoo, church was good today. Whoo, that word was for me. Oh, they get all excited. That's on Sunday. But then on Monday when the smud bill comes, oh my goodness, when all of a sudden all hell breaks loose, persecution, tribulation, why? For the word's sake. Do you not know, do you not know to much is given, much is required? 
Do you not know that if you are under persecution and tribulation right now, it could be not that something's wrong, but that something is right. It could just be that you have implanted the word of God in your heart and the enemy's trying to give one last wolf ticket to see if you're going to throw in the towel. He's trying to confuse you and throw you off. Why? Because you have the word in you. But hear me today. Having done all to stand, brothers and sisters, keep standing. Oh, in a moment, the smoke is going to clear. In a moment, you're going to begin to see God is at work here. There's a reason this tribulation has come. There's a reason the persecution has come. In fact, we're told when it comes, watch this, rejoice. Get happy about it. Rejoice in the midst of your tribulation. I'm here to tell somebody in this room, the adversary has broken loose and tried to turn everything loose against your family, against your children, against your home. And he's trying to stop you from giving God praise in here today. You sat through a whole time of worship and praise and you held your head down and your hands down and you didn't clap and you didn't open your mouth. And the adversary is trying to leave you confused and doubting and frustrated. But the devil is a lie. You came in this house today to magnify the Lord and to worship him and you've got to make up in your mind I will bless the Lord at all times his praise will continually be in my mouth in bad times in sad times in glad times I'm not gonna let the enemy sit on my praise I will bless it he's been just that good I said he's been just that good that he's worth the praise. Oh, I know y'all looking at me like he certainly is excited. Honey, you ain't seen nothing yet. When I think of the goodness of Jesus and all that he has done for me, when I look where he has brought me from, I can't come in here and fold my legs and cross my arms and roll my eyes. I came to bless his name. I came to exalt his name. I came to lift him up. I came to magnify him. I came to exalt him. I came to extol him. Anybody with me, give God a high praise. Hey. Hallelujah. See, I don't play with this. I don't play with this, beloved. I don't play with this. There are spiritual principalities that have got to be cast out. The believer cannot be possessed, but we can be oppressed. And I've come to cast every demonic force in the name of Jesus that has put you in a stupor and a state of frustration, I command you, put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and the king of glory, he shall come in. Hallelujah. Ooh, let me just get back. My God. See, see, y'all see one thing, but in the spirit realm, I'm boxing. In the spirit realm, I'm in a boxing match for you. Come on, y'all. In the spirit realm, I'm kicking devil butt. Come on, somebody. In the spirit realm. Glory to God. Hallelujah. See, 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 see. You're going to have tribulation. You're going to have persecution. But don't fall away. Don't fall away. First Peter 5 and 8 says, Our adversary prowls like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. But note, beloved, 
all he can do is prowl and he can roar, but it doesn't mean you got to jump in his mouth. Are you hearing what I'm saying? He's going to do his job and prowl, trying to look for every opportunity to creep in, look for every opportunity to throw you off, look for any and every opportunity to give you a negative report. And you've got to make up your mind. I'm not going to jump in the enemy's mouth. I have the victory in Jesus' name. Verse 18, and others are the ones sown among thorns. These are the ones who also hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things enter in and it chokes the word and it proves unfruitful. It proves unfruitful. It proves unfruitful. They, they are deceived by their stuff. They're deceived by the things they've got. Now listen to me. Listen, there's nothing wrong with having a nice house, a nice car, a nice status in the community, a nice job. But brothers and sisters, hear my heart. Don't ever worship what you have. Don't ever turn yourself over to worshiping the stuff. I think I've got about at least 10 of you in here that God has taken us through some things where we had to mature in our walk, where he had to allow us to go through some things and strip the stuff away from us so that he could captivate our heart because we were distracted by the car. We were distracted by the house. We were distracted by the stuff. But God says, no, no, no. I will allow you to be stripped of that. And in the midst of being stripped of that, can you yet bless me? Can you yet serve me? Will you not curse me? Will you yet turn to me and say, God, if everything of the stuff, all of the stuff is removed from my life, God, I am yet rich in you. I am yet rich in you. If I have to scale down from a five-bedroom to a little one-bedroom studio, God, I've been made rich in you. If I lose the expensive hoopty and have to ride RT, can I still say I'm rich in you? God, you're still going to get praise out of me. You're still going to have my life. That means I get to witness to more people on the light rail. Thank you, Jesus. That means it's just more people I get to witness to and share my faith as I have to walk to work because I don't have the car anymore. God, whatever I have, don't ever allow me to worship it because I want your word to be sown, the seed of the word to be sown in me. But here's the last soil. Look at verse 20. But these are the ones who are sown on good soil. Good soil. Everybody say, that's me. Come on, say, that's me. Come on, say, that's me. He said, these are the ones, the seed that was sown on good soil. These are the ones that hear the word, accept the word, and bear fruit 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. Did you catch this? He, he says, these are the ones who Watch this, we said it earlier. Who produce, who grow up, who continue increasing, and they start yielding. See? They produce, they grow up, they keep increasing, and they start yielding. Yielding what? They start yielding fruit that has more seed. 
Did you catch that? They start yielding fruit that has more seed so that others can be blessed. Oh, children, don't miss this. See, here's the problem. Here's the problem. Look at me for a moment. Look at for me. Here's the problem. We have ministries that are full of believers that are consumers instead of producers. I'm going to walk it slow like we're on Sesame Street. Let's try it one more time. We have ministries and churches. We are full of consumerism, but we're not producing. We're not producing. Let me be more specific. You know that there's a spirit of consumerism that is coming to your heart when you walk in and you sit through service and you walk away and you say, you know, you know, I really, I really didn't care for worship today. I didn't really like the song they sang. I, it, it wasn't my vibe. And did you hear the key that they missed? I, 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 really, I really didn't care for it. Well, excuse me, excuse me. I didn't know we were doing it for you. I was misguided. I thought that our worship was for him. I thought we came to bless him. Not fit with what is comfortable and your preference and what you like. Now, certainly, there are certain songs I like, certain beats I like, certain styles I like, but I'm going to learn as I grow in God, however it comes out, I can be a little bit of country, I can be a little bit of rock and roll, whatever God wants to do, as long as he's being praised. God didn't call us to be consumers. When you are consumers, then you posture yourself to be a critic. But when you are a producer, you're not walking in here looking to see what this can do for you. You're walking in here to say, Lord, what can I do to be a blessing and put seed out to someone else? Are y'all catching that? So again, very important. Let's take this thing home now and wrap it up. Jesus indeed is the only way into the kingdom. In fact, in Luke 13, 22, he says there are a whole lot of folks, many folks, that are not going to be able to enter this narrow door. Why? Because they're trying to go through with religion versus relationships, self-works versus kingdom works. But I'm encouraged by what Paul says in Colossians chapter 1, verse 13 through 14. He says, God has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. For in Jesus is all the fullness of God. And through him, he have been reconciled all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of Jesus' cross. And then down in verse 21, he says, in you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting in the hope of the gospel that you have heard. Here's the point, beloved. Note here that there are those in this room under the sound of my voice right now that you have sat this entire service. You have sat throughout the entire week lamenting over the fact that the adversary is trying to bring you into condemnation, telling you that you are not good, that God doesn't care for you, that God doesn't want to use you. Depression has begun to set into somebody's heart in this room. This is your last hope. You came in here hoping that God would give you something to encourage your heart. And even in the midst of that, there's a battle that's going on in your mind right now, in your seat. You're yet smiling. You're walking around. And even family members have walked in 
in here with you and they see you're smiling, but they don't see the darkness and the discouragement and the disparity that is in your heart because the enemy has lied to you and tried to make you feel that you are condemned. But I'm here to report to you the good news of the gospel that you have been brought out of darkness into this marvelous light. You have been brought into the kingdom of God. And anything that you have ever done and anything that you're doing now or anything that we will ever do, it is all under the blood of Jesus. I'm going to say it again. It is all under the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. Once you know that the blood still works, the blood has never lost its power, the blood is not diminished in its potency, the blood is covering all of us today. It's not because we are so good, but the God we serve, he is so good. We give him praise. Come on and clap your hands and bless him. Oh, bless his name. Don't you dare be, in, be discouraged, but be encouraged. I'm going to give you this. i got to close with this. There are four parables that I'm going to mention to you. I'm just going to mention them to you. I want you to get the point that God's not going for the rich and famous. That's not kingdom. He's not going for the rich and famous, everybody that thinks they've got it together. But God is getting the kingdom connected to those of us that know that we are toe up from the flow up and about to throw up. You understand. He is surrounding us, letting us know there is hope for each and every one of us. Four parables. The first one, it is in Luke 7, 41. It is the parable of two debtors. Two men owed money to the supervisor. The supervisor came to them and said, I want my money now. One owed 500 denarii and the other owed 50 denarii. The supervisor forgave both of them equally. The question is asked, which one of the two is most grateful? Well, obviously the response is the one who owed the most, the one who had more debt. Well, there's, there's more thankfulness that comes from the one who owes 500 denarii. Now, this is so important because many times we can become critical of those that we see praising God openly and demonstratively. We'll see people standing here many times in our services, standing and dancing and, and lifting their hands and glorifying God or just praising God. And some of us in our critical ways will say, it doesn't take all of that. It, why, why they got to do all of that? It, it doesn't take all. These are the same folks, by the way, that are critical about people being demonstrative. These are the same ones who'll go and today watch the football game and almost break the house down watching the TV and watching their team win or lose. You understand? These are the same ones that are screaming and hollering. These are the same ones that'll go to the Golden One, uh, a Golden, uh, Golden Center One, and, and watch a ball be thrown in the air and they'll holler and they'll scream and come all out of character. But then when we come in here to worship and to praise God, they want us to be quiet and shh. Be quiet. Keep your mouth closed. Don't move. Don't move. It makes me uncomfortable to see you dance. It makes me uncomfortable to see you clap. It makes me uncomfortable to see you lift your hands. But you don't understand the story that's behind what you're seeing up here. You don't understand that some of these folks that you see praising God and openly lifting their voices and shouting before God, you don't understand the test that came behind the testimony. There's a reason they're dancing like that. There's a reason they're shouting like that. If you can't beat them, join them. Don't sit there and complain about it. Join them in praise. Hallelujah. I've got about 10 of y'all in here 
that are not ashamed of praising God that will tell anybody in here, I could have been dead, but God kept my life. I could have been all the way confused, but God brought my mind back. When I went through the divorce, I could have just turned around and given up on God, but he kept his arms wrapped around me. And you think for one iota, I'm going to come up in here and cross my legs and fold my arms and roll my eyes after God has forgiven me and has loved me? No, ma'am. No, sir. I'm going to praise him with everything that's within me. Hallelujah. Come on, touch three people. Say, get used to it. Get used to it. Get used to it. I'm a praiser. I'm one who blesses God. I'm one who's not ashamed to give God praise. Hallelujah. Let, let, let me get back to the podium. <laughs> then you have the parable of the lost coin. That's in Luke 15 and 8. Woman has 10 coins. She loses one. 10 coins, but one is lost. She finds the one coin. She knocks on every door of her neighbors. Say, I found the one coin that was lost. Come, let's go to Golden Corral and eat a buffet dinner and celebrate what the Lord has done. Then you have the parable of the prodigal son. You remember this one? You have the son that's always stayed in the house. Then you have the son that took all that he had and all that was his inheritance and he left and spent it on riotous living. But then when he came to himself, he turned and said, I will return to my father. I will go back to my daddy. And his father was there to receive him. Killed the fatted calf. Turned around, put a robe on him, put a ring on him. Called everybody to celebrate it. My son who was lost has now returned home. That's kingdom. That's how kingdom works. But then you also have the son that never left the house. And he's sitting there and said, why are you doing all of this for him? I never went anywhere. I stayed right here. And you said, you never killed a fatted calf for me. You never gave me a robe. And note here, the principle is, is that you can be in the house and never leave the house, but take for granted the blessings of the house. Both are prodigals. And then you have the parable of the rich man and the beggar. Both men die. This is in Luke 16 and 19. Both men die. One is rich, one is poor. One goes to hell and lifts his eyes up in hell. That's the rich man. The poor man ends up in the bosom of Abraham. And notice here, the, the one who dies and goes to hell, he, he thought his riches would give him access to the kingdom of God. All of these parables show us how the kingdom works. But I close with this. I close with my own parable for my own life. For you see, I have a parable that God has given me recently, showing me how the kingdom works. The other day, I walked inside Rayleigh's grocery store to get a bottle of water. And I'm walking out with the water and standing in line, and there was only one lane open, and the cashier was checking a lady out in front of me who had on the belt milk, butter, and bread. That's all she said had on the belt, milk, butter, and bread. And I'm standing directly behind her, and there's a long line behind us. And I notice that we're all standing there, and the line is getting longer because the woman is taking her check card or her, her debit card, and she's sticking it in, and it's not working. 
It's not working at all. And she's sticking it in, and the woman says, try it again. Try it again. Pull it out. Try it again. And so she says, I don't know what's going on. She says, the lady cashier says to her, do you have another card? She says, I think I'll do. I'll have to go to my car and look. I thought then to myself as I walked by and I saw the milk, the bread, and the butter. I said, I could certainly, if I represent God's kingdom, take care of this woman's milk, bread, and butter. You understand? So I said to the cashier, I will take care of her groceries. The woman had already walked out of the store. I said, I'll take care of her groceries. I'll just take care of her. Whatever it costs, I've got it. I get it. I'll take care of it. And the lady says, oh, that's so wonderful. I said, let me run out and let her know to come back in, and I've got it. So then I'm sitting there looking all sanctimonious and so, you know, I'm being used of you, Lord, today as your vessel. Hallelujah. God, I said yes to you. I am the walking, talking, living kingdom. Hallelujah. And I'm, I'm sitting there, and I walk around, and I'm going out to the car to get the lady. And just as I turn at the edge, of the conveyor belt. I looked at the milk, bread, and butter sitting on the belt, but then I looked and next to the belt was a cart and the cart had basket full of groceries. It had meat, had steak popping up out the bag and all kind of food. And I looked back on the display and the display said her cost came to 96.75. I was fine when it was 9.75, but now it's 96. 75. So now I'm not walking so high and mighty now. Now I'm kind of creeping out to the parking lot. And I'm like, Lord, I guess I got to do it because I already put my mouth out there. So I got to do it. I might as well just go ahead and take care of it. And so I get out to the car and she's going through her purse and she's in the car when I found her and she's going through the purse and I looked at her and after I calmed her down and made sure she knew I wasn't trying to rob her, I, I turned around and I said, dear one, I'll take care of your food. She said, what, what? I said, I'll take care of your groceries. She said, oh my goodness, I've never had anybody offer that to me. She said, thank you, I, I'm fine. And then she reached in her purse and she pulled out a, a gold American Express. I said, sweetheart, you can pay for my groceries. You understand what I'm saying? I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, why did you have me go through this? Why did I have to experience this? And God began to speak to me. He said, because I wanted to see, can you be obedient to me? Can I speak to you and you be willing to do whatever I call you to do, even if it's a sacrifice, not just when you're in the four walls of Bridgeway, but can I speak to you in the school? Can I speak to you on the job? Can I speak to you in the supermarket? Can I speak to you in your neighbor? Can I talk to you the things of the kingdom? It's easy to get into the kingdom of God. That's only by faith. But it's gonna cost you to walk in obedience in the kingdom of God. He or she that has an ear, let them hear. Stand to your feet. We gotta go. But I hope you take hold of everything that's been shared with you. You got a bag of seed that you're sowing every day. Condition your hearts, children, to always, whenever the word is being sown, check your heart. Lord, is my heart hard because I'm distracted or, 
Are the demonic forces stealing the word? Check your heart. Lord, am I, am I this stony ground? Tribulation and trouble has come. And I'm ready to throw in the towel. I'm ready just to give up. Lord, am I thorny ground when I'm deceived by what I have? When it doesn't seem like things are adding up, can I still praise you and trust you? Or am I good soil that I am producing, I'm growing, I'm increasing, and I'm yielding? 30, 60, even a hundredfold. I pray, beloved, that you'll just open your hearts to receive all that he has for you in the name of Jesus. Come on, lift those hands, lift those hands, lift those hands all in this room as we go. Come on, lift those hands. You deserve the glory and the honor. Lord, we lift our hands in worship as we praise your holy name you deserve the glory hallelujah and the honor come on children lord we lift our hands in worship as we praise your holy name you are great you do miracles so great there is no one else like you there is no one else like you you are great you do miracles so great there is no one else like you there is no one else like you. Father, in the name of Jesus. The name that is above every name. The King of kings, the Lord of lords. The potentate of potentates. In your name, Jesus, touch every one of my brothers and sisters under the sound of my voice. In the name of Jesus, every place that the adversary has attempted to steal the seed of the word, we expose and cancel every assignment of the wicked one. In the name of Jesus, take your hands off of our children off of our grandchildren, off of our spouses, off of our friends, off of our co-workers. Satan, the Lord God, rebuke you. Loose your hold in the name of Jesus. And Holy Spirit, pour out and pour through every one of my brothers and sisters. Do it, oh God. Send revival. Let your anointing flow always through this house. And Lord, we'll be careful always to give you all of the praise, all of the adoration. It belongs to you. In Jesus' name, we celebrate you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord our praise, everybody. 
Come on, give God some praise right there. Come on, give him praise right there. Hallelujah. I, I kept y'all, you kept you babies about 10 minutes longer than I wanted to, but apparently God wanted to. But you hear me, you hear me and hear me well. This church has been called and destined for great things. Don't you dare miss it. Be smack dab in the middle of it. You hear me? Prayer team, come forward. They're going to be here to pray for you. If you need prayer, want to receive the Lord Jesus, they're here for you. I love you, love you, love you. I'll see you soon, or I'll see you in the rapture. God bless you.